and the children. That was wonderful and exciting to hear them lead us in that song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Uh, I want to personally thank the church for all the Christmas cards uh, that I received by way of the uh, mailbox with the uh, youth and also mailed to my home. Tammy and I were greatly uh, blessed and encouraged by those Christmas cards and we want to respond and offer to the church our Christmas card to everyone else uh, to encourage them in the Lord and to praise this wonderful event, this season of the year in which we get to celebrate and focus on the Christ child. And we're excited uh, to do that here with you uh, at Providence Baptist Church. Those of you who are able to come with us in our worship service and others who may be watching on the uh, live stream, uh, we welcome you and we thank you and we encourage you uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, during this special time of year. I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke is the third Gospel in, and we're going to look in verse chapter 2. We've read part of that, verses 1 uh, through 7 last Sunday. This Sunday we're going to look at verses 8 through 20 as we talk more about the Christmas story. And um, this is pretty, pretty famous, and you may have heard it before, but I'd like to share with you some, some very interesting things from the perspective of one of the groups involved in this Christmas story. So if you'll turn there with me to Luke chapter 2, I'm going to be reading uh, verses 8 through 20. You can follow along in your Bibles as I read. The scripture says, Luke writes, in the same regions, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for behold or look, I proclaim to you Good news of great joy that will be for all people, all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and laying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying... Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Then they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told." And may God bless the reading of his word today. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come to you uh, seeking to understand some of the more deep and profound 
things about this birth of this little babe who was laid in a manger. We, we look at him as a little babe in a manger, but something more was going on, something more profound, something deeper than just the birth of a child. He wasn't any old child. He was the Christ. He was the Messiah, the Savior. And we thank you, Father, for giving us this word here in Luke as he shares with us what took place. Help us to think about it and meditate and ponder it just like Mary did and to take it to our own hearts that we might also understand that this little babe Jesus was our Savior and our Lord. Guide us through the power of the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and to receive this message this morning so that we might glorify and praise you, Father, and give you the honor and and share and exalt Jesus as our Lord and Savior as he deserves because he died willingly on the cross for our sins. We pray, Lord, that this will be a special time of pondering and meditating, and we will learn a great deal from it so that we can go forth just as the shepherds did and share this with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I think this is one of the most favorite of all of the sermons that I have uh, given in my somewhat long career as, as a minister because it, it tells me some things out of the ordinary that are important for me as a believer and for the church as a body of believers to understand about our faith and about our Savior. As a matter of fact, we've heard this story so many, many, many times that we forget some of the little things that are in there that are very profound and spiritually important. And so every Christmas, it's good not just to go through the ritual and do the same old, same old thing, the status quo, get in the rut, and talk about the little babe in the manger. It's important for us to take a look at this text again and from the perspective of the shepherds to see what was going on that night, that very important night, way back many years ago in the fields around Bethlehem, something amazing took place. And that was the birth of the Christ child, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you this morning as we look at this text that we understand the significance of the lowly birth of Jesus and the very first announcement that was given not to the media, not to the talking heads on the TV, not to the proclaimed by kings all over the world with great fanfare and banners, but actually to a low occupation of individuals who were out in the fields and the first announcement came to them and why that is so significant for what our faith is all about and how we can respond to this Christmas, actually to what happened that we celebrate the birth of this little baby boy whom we call Jesus, who we also know as the Christ, the Savior who will save us from our sins. So I invite you to kind of take your Bible and turn with me there in in Luke chapter 2, if you haven't already done that. And we're going to look at these verses kind of verse by verse, and I'm going to try to add some commentary. I'm telling you what I'm trying to do, so that you might not have noticed these things, but I want you to consider them as we go through here. It's important to recognize that the shepherds were a generally despised occupation in the ancient Near East, in in Israel and other places. They had problems because they dealt with these animals in every way whatsoever, and people just weren't dying to become shepherds. 
But God used the idea of a shepherd caring for their animals and their flocks in, in many different ways to recognize what really a servant is all about and how someone who tries to be great should want maybe to have that kind of a title of being a shepherd, of being someone who cares and who serves. I want to remind you that Moses was out shepherding um, his father-in-law's flock when he met God at the burning bush. David was a shepherd out in the fields when he was called to come in and anointed by Samuel to be king over Israel. Amos, the prophet, was called from being out among the flocks to come and deliver the true word of God to the people of Israel. And even God himself takes upon that concept of a shepherd in Psalm 23 when it says there, the Lord is my shepherd. Finally, we note that Jesus himself several times referred to himself referred to himself as the good shepherd. So being a shepherd, even though it's a kind of a despised occupation in the world, isn't so bad in biblical terms. Because there's something that the shepherds have in their hearts and deal with their animals in a loving and caring way that God appreciates. And it was to these shepherds that God first announced the birth of the Christ child uh, to the world. So we're going to ask the question, what did they see? And then talk about and pay close attention to what they saw and what they heard and what they did. In other words, we're going to look at it from the perspective of the shepherds. We're going to see what took place. So first of all, we want you to notice that the shepherds saw the animals. Now, this night apparently was just an ordinary night. They were out there doing their job probably grumbling a little bit if whatever they were doing out there, watching the flock, taking care of them. In verse 8 it says, In the same region shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. There's just an ordinary job out there in the fields, taking turns, perhaps watching the flock. That flock probably didn't even belong to them. These were guys who were professional shepherds who were taking care of the flock for some owner who wasn't around. Some scholars have even suggested that these may have been temple flocks that were kept for the temple in Jerusalem to be used as appropriate sacrifices. We don't know, but they're out there with the flock and it's a lonely occupation and maybe they have time to reflect on God's world and their place in it and see and look up at the stars and just enjoy that time with their animals. But all of a sudden, that ordinary night turned into an extraordinary night. Because while they were doing their job, where they were, God spoke to them. And this is important for us to understand too, is that God speaks to ordinary people. He doesn't go off highfalutin to talk to the cool, the in people, the influencers on YouTube, or any other person. He doesn't choose those people, the movie stars and the celebrities. He speaks directly to us. We don't have to go to someone else to learn about God. We can talk to him. We can study his word. We can have a relationship with him. He is a God who is knowable, a God who cares about a relationship, and a God who desires to speak to us where we are. You don't have to be some spiritual guru with a halo around your head 
for you to understand what God is trying to do. He wants to talk to us individually who we are and have a relationship with us. He spoke to those shepherds and that extra that ordinary night became an extraordinary night. Secondly, the shepherds saw the angels. Well, let's say first the angel because first one angel came and then the heavenly host came. Now this is important enough for Luke to devote maybe uh, six, five or six verses uh, to what's going on here because it's an amazing thing. It's like somebody hit the switch and everything started happening and everything started jumping. And this is what we learn happened. Verse 9, then an angel of the Lord stood before, before them. This angel of the Lord is not a new concept in the Bible. As a matter of fact, God's messenger is called an angel of the Lord. And this angel of the Lord, supposedly traditionally known as Gabriel, because he's the one who announced to Mary that she was going to have a child, was one of God's servants. An angel of the Lord meant Abraham. An angel of the Lord met Joshua. And throughout the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord, God's messenger, came to speak to his people. We think of that as what we have, a very fancy theological term called theophany, which means a, manu a manifestation of God's presence. Think about it. God himself came and met those shepherds through his messenger, the angel. The angel of the Lord speaks God's word, and he said several important things to these shepherds. The angel of the Lord said to them, don't be afraid, because the Bible tells us they feared with a great fear. In other words, they were very afraid. Because the angel says, I proclaim to you, first he said, don't be afraid, then I'm going to proclaim to you good news, good news of great joy. Now, the Roman emperors, when they came to their birthday, the people would proclaim good news of great joy to them because, and they would actually call the Roman emperor's lord. But this isn't a Roman emperor. This isn't someone who would sit on the throne of the Roman empire. This is someone who would sit on the throne of God's kingdom forever and ever. But the angel said, I've got good news. i got something that's important to say. This is good news of great joy. And the good news of great joy is not just for people who have this stock or who, people who have these kinds of, of fame and fortune. This is good news for everybody, the highest to the lowest, all of the people in the world. This is good news because this cuts across all races, all times, all places, all opinions. This is good news for the entire world. This good news, he said, is going to be found in the city of David. That's Bethlehem. You got to go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is where it's happening because today, this very moment, today, there is a child. Now, what's so unique about this child? It's two things. What's so unique about this child is first that we have to give him some names and titles. And secondly, we have to figure out where he's born. And that's amazing, to have these names and titles and to be born and laid where he is, the sign that you're going to see. So the shepherds saw the angel first, and the angel delivered this message to them. 
And we find this in verse 11. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. And here it begins his titles. Who is the Christ? Some of your Bibles will say the Christ. Some will have the word Messiah because the word, the Greek word Christ means Messiah. So this means he is the longed for and prophesied Messiah who would come to the Israelite people. This baby who is laying there in Bethlehem is the Messiah. He would do all the things the Old Testament said the Messiah would do. He would free the oppressed. He would free the captive. He would give freedom from sin and forgiveness of sin and freedom from addiction and problems and difficulties. He will be able to sit on the throne of God's kingdom and rule in justice and love and hope and grace and mercy. He will do all those things. This is the little babe. We're telling you, this is the Messiah. Then he said, um, this, he's a savior. The other word there is a savior. This word savior means confronting all the sin of the world with, with royal authority to forgive and to help others to be redeemed from sin. He's a savior. He's the Messiah. And finally, he's the Lord, the sovereign Lord who will defeat death, who will defeat all of God's enemies, who will confront sin for all eternity and hang on a cross to win the victory over that sin. All of a sudden, the angel is telling these shepherds that there is a very special child that is born in the city of David. That's fascinating news. They were looking for it if they were good Israelites, but all of a sudden, the angel comes, the angel of the Lord, God himself is speaking to them and manifesting his glory to them and telling them that this child is to be known as a Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord. That's amazing that the shepherds are hearing this as the angel speaks to them. And then, as if they're not going to believe them, the angel's going to give them a sign. He's going to give them a sign, and he says that in verse 12, this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby in opulent, beautiful silk clothes in the temple or in the palace outside of Jerusalem where all the people will be gather, gathered and singing hallelujah and glory to God for this child. This child was going to be born with a silver spoon in his mouth. We'll have everything given to him. He won't have any problems, any difficulties, any issues that will hinder him from being what he's called to be. Now the angel didn't say that, and you know that. The angel said, you're going to find this baby in a feeding trough. Now if you've done some farming, you know what a feeding trough is. The horses and the cows come up and the goats and whatever. I don't think it would be pigs. They didn't have pigs back in Bethlehem. But they'd come up and in the process of eating in that old trough, they would chew on the sides and break it apart. And so farmers wouldn't use the best nice smooth wood. They wouldn't take all that time to make it just right and perfect, as you might think, suitable for even our own babies to lay in. No, they would make it out of rough cut wood, the easiest, most 
quickest possible way to do it because they know the animals aren't going to care and they'll probably chew part of it up anyway. You're going to find this baby who has now been called the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, in that manger, in that feeding trough. And that's the sign that you're going to see. Think about it. How many parents giving birth to their child would be willing to put them in an old rickety kind of crib or cradle? No, we're so proud. We're loving. We're caring. We want to have the best that we have. But here, Mary and Joseph couldn't do any better. There was no guest room for them, and they laid the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Lord himself, in a feeding trough. And that's going to be the sign. Now, why is that a sign? Well, because nobody else is going to do it. And they're going to find maybe a couple of babies that may have been born. There were a lot of people there in Bethlehem because of the census. But they're going to find this baby wrapped and laid in the manger. It's going to be a sign to tell them that this is true. They can fact check it. Yeah, who, who's this child? Well, he's God's son, but he's laid in a manger, just like the angel said. Now think about that for a minute. This is God's way of showing us that he loves us all. Because he's not, he's not saying, oh, my son should be given everything. He's saying, my son is just like us. He's the lowly, the oppressed. He's the individual who will indeed be my son, who will be indeed the, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. But his beginnings were lowly. He's not privileged. He doesn't have favorite things given to him. He is God's son, the Savior. And it's interesting then, at that point, the angels just start chiming in. After the one angel, the angel of the Lord, said, you're going to find this babe laying there in the manger, we hear now in verses 13 and 14... All of a sudden, a cantata, a symphony of joy and praise and glory. Suddenly, verse 13 says, there was a multitude of the heavenly host. We like to think of them as other angels. They were God's creation, the heavenly host, with the angel. And what they began to do, we're told, was praising God and saying. Now, there was one pastor years ago who decided that the angels weren't singing because it didn't say they were singing. We think they're singing, but we, we assume that. But it just says they were there and they were praising God and saying things. And what they said is put in verse 14, which is kind of interesting too, because it's one of four songs that we actually sing in some churches, one of four songs uh, that are found here related to the birth of Christ. But the point is, whether the angels actually said them, I've never had it, heard an angel say it, I would imagine they're, they're saying it was so wonderful and beautiful that it would sound like songs to us, so it doesn't really matter. But this is a tremendous thing that they were doing praising. All of a sudden, one angel's talking to them, and then shazam, the whole sky is lit up with angels and heavenly hosts there. And they're all singing together, all saying together, have it as you will, the following words. Glory to God in the highest 
and peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now what's interesting about this too is that sometimes we've misunderstood or mistranslated this and we have to understand a little bit of what, what's going on. If you look at it in a bunch of different versions, you'll see that they're having a hard time translate this. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Usually we say glory to God in heaven and peace on earth, good will to men. But what happens when we say good will to men, we miss the point of the angels. We miss the, the, the teaching and the deeper significance of what the angels are actually saying. The angels are actually saying that you guys have got it pretty good because God is favoring you and you're getting the very first chance to hear about the birth of this Christ child. This hymn that we have here is one of four hymns in Luke uh, chapter 1 through 2. One is called the Magnificat when Mary um, lifts up her voice to the Lord, the Benedictus of, of uh, Zechariah in there. And then this is the Gloria. We just sang this, the Gloria. It actually comes from the Latin, in the Latin, Gloria in excelsis Deo. You've heard that, right? So that's what this comes from, this particular verse right here. And then another one is uh, Nuke Dimitus, which is Simeon, who says, Now, Lord, I have seen your Christ child. And people sing that too. So it's a great thing of celebration. This is one of the greatest ones here. Glory to God in the highest. That we understand. But what does he mean in the second part? The message is that God is giving favor to those who seek him and serve him. People of goodwill are those whom the, whom the will of God favors and whose own will desires what God wills or God wishes. In other words, he's saying goodwill, good favor on those who follow me, those who seek this, those who understand this, those who respond to this. He's not just saying uh, kind of some big old, oh, wonderful goodwill, peace and goodwill among men, which the secular world has picked up and said it's like fairy dust and everybody feels happy and walks along. There, he's actually saying you will be blessed if you go look and accept and follow up on this child. In other words, God's will is for this son, this child, to be the Savior, to be the Messiah, to be the Lord. And for those who receive that, I'm giving it to the world. The angels are saying the world is getting this. It's not some ethereal goodwill that floats around. It's the Son who brings peace. It's the Savior who saves. It's the Messiah who is coming, who reigns as Lord over all the world. What do you think about that, he's saying to the shepherds? What are, you, what are you going to respond to that? Are you going to listen? Are you going to receive this mercy, this goodwill, this grace, this forgiveness of God? You might ask the question, why is God even offering this? And the answer is because we're sinners. Because all along, God wanted to undo what happened in the Garden of Eden. What happened in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve sinned against God. 
they rejected his word and disobeyed him and ate from that terrible tree. And from that moment on, sin has been in the world and we've been struggling with sin and its ugly head has been giving us terrible problems ever since. But God never forgot. God chose in the divine plan to change that, to make it so that we can be forgiven and the forces of evil don't win God wins, and he wins because he has given this little son. And he was born and laid in a feeding trough. That's amazing. And then angels came to denounce his birth, but not to the high and mighty, but to the low and weak and poor, to tell them that there is hope, that there is mercy, that there is forgiveness. And God's blessing, we glorify him and we praise him, because he loved us and was merciful enough to give us his good favor, his good will, his willingness to forgive us through his son, Jesus Christ. So to say goodwill on earth and, uh, or peace on earth and goodwill to men is not some kind of statement. It's not some soundbite that you throw out there. There's this deep and profound point behind it all, that this is God's plan and that God wants to forgive, that God wants to heal, God wants to be in a relationship with you and to help you to be successful in things that matter for all time and eternity. And what we do is we just look at this baby and say, oh, wonderful, everybody should feel good about it, but that's it. And we don't understand the deeper significance of this child that God's divine plan was all through this. We talked about this earlier. This baby had to go die on the cross. This was God's plan because by his shed blood on the cross, we are forgiven of our sins and we are entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's a wonderful thing. It's a glorious thing. It's a great thing to know Christ Jesus as your Lord, to walk with him and learn from him and go through life with him the good things and the bad things, whatever the world throws at us, whatever happens in life, knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior helps us get through it because we know that we have an eternity in heaven with him. Our life when we come to know Christ Jesus doesn't end when we die, but we have eternal life from that moment on, walking with him, living with him because he is Savior, he is Messiah, he is the Lord. And that's why this Christmas is so significant. Now, the shepherds saw the angels. They saw all of this. So what were they going to do? Wonderful. This is great. Let's get on with our life. No, they went and they saw the advent. In verses 15 through 20, what's so unique about this is that the shepherds actually fact-checked the angel. The shepherds just didn't take the... Now, if I saw an angel, I might say, yes, sir. But they, they fact-checked the angel. They wanted to know if this is true. And by the way, if this is true, this is life-changing. So let's see what they did when the angels had left them and returned to heaven. The shepherds said, do you think we should go to Bethlehem? Do you think? Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They recognize that this isn't what's a bunch of stuff on weed and they're smoking it and they have this pipe dreams. You ever heard of those words? This isn't a pipe dream. This is 
reality the Lord made known to us. Let's go see. Let's see firsthand. Not what somebody else told us, but the angel said, let's go fact check. Let's go see if this is true. So they hurried. Literally, they made haste, haste. They, they really, really went. They, they came having hasted, is what the scripture says there. And you know what? They found exactly what the angel had foretold. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby and the sign, what? He's laying in a manger, in a feeding trough. And after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. In other words, they're telling Mary about her baby. They're telling Joseph about this child, what God had told them about, what this angel had said. And all who heard it, and they just didn't stop telling Mary and Joseph, they probably walked through the streets of Bethlehem, walked through the streets of Bethlehem and told everybody, hey, we're out there. Believe it or not, this is what happened to us. And you know what? It's true. We found the baby and he was in a feeding trough, exactly as the angel said. We learned too that Mary treasured these things in her heart. Maybe that's what we should do. As they shared the story, they had seen it. Now they're going to tell it. Having seen it, they told it. Remember that. Having seen it, they told it. And they became the very first Christian evangelists, making known abroad all these things. In verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which, which were just as they had been told. This, this idea of praising God, glorifying God, and praising God is used about 14 times in Luke, always to talk about somebody testifying to what God had done in their lives and God had done for them. And the, the shepherds are saying, hey, we saw the animals. It was an ordinary night. Then all of a sudden it became extraordinary because the angels showed up and then the heavenly host. And you know what? We found out it was absolutely true. We went to look. And lo and behold, there is Mary, there's Joseph, and there's that little baby wrapped tightly and laid in a feeding trough. The sign was true. And instead of just putting it in their own hearts and forgetting about it, they told others. They went and they shared what God had told them and how they had seen the Christ child. I think it's exciting to be here during the Christmas season and to think about what took place and to remember the Christmas story and to even have very nice carved figurines over here of Joseph and Mary and the little babe in a feeding trough, though it looks like it's kind of nicer than just an old feeding trough. But it's nice to be able to think about this message. But it's even better to ponder, as Mary did, Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart in verse 19 and meditating on them. It's better to meditate on them during this season to wonder what God had done in that amazing night when he told the shepherds and to ponder it and, and not forget it and then ponder it and thinking about it and recognizing its power for us because we're the ones being told by the shepherds that this was true, that this was a little babe. And what the angel said would be that he would be a savior and that he would be Christ and he would be the Lord. And having learned that in our own lives, 
ponder it, and then glorify God and praise God by telling other people about it. Maybe that's what's behind that little cliche that says Jesus is the reason for the season. People forget what Christmas is about. They think it's about Christmas trees and ornaments and packages and gifts. For some people, Christmas is the most lonely of all of the holidays. We need to share with them it's not just about gifts. It's about the greatest gift of all, Jesus, the Son of God, who was born to save us from our sins. He was given to us by God to help us have a relationship, to, to be the savior of our hearts and our lives, to help us be part of that relationship with God who will never leave us or forget us. So we need to ponder and to talk about this in our own hearts, think about it, ponder what the shepherds did, but then go and share it with other people. If we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then our responsibility is to tell others about what took place. If we don't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, having heard the story and recognizing what God had done in giving the message of the birth of this child to the angels, then we need to ask Jesus about this. We need to go to him and receive him as our Lord and Savior because it's true. It turned out to be true. Jesus is the Savior. He wants to save us and forgive us of our sins. He's the Messiah, the long-hailed one and the long-longed-for one who would sit on the throne of God. Jesus is going to sit on the throne of God. And we learned also in the scriptures that he is the Lord. He is God himself. And as the Lord, he gave himself on the cross for our sins. If this Christmas season goes by and you haven't pondered it that way, then maybe you ought to take another look. So far, you need to receive Christ. You need to think about it. You need to find out what the scriptures say about it. If you don't know Jesus, we encourage you to do that. The gist of it all is, let's go be like the shepherds. Glorify God and praise God for seeing the advent and for recognizing the birth of our Savior. Jesus Christ. We're going to have the instruments, the instruments, uh, the, the musicians come forward and get their instruments uh, and uh, share with us in the last song, the invitation, come adore the humble king. And I'm going to stand here down the front and in the front. And if, if you need to come and pray, do that. If you need to come and ask me about how to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you come and do that and we'll send you to, with someone to share privately what it means to know Christ and the Word of God. If you're looking for a church home and want to join with us, or if God is calling you into some type of Christian service or vocation, whatever it might be, the invitation is not just for us to sing and to sing giving our hearts to the Lord, but for us to respond as well. So as the Lord leads and you understand, you come as we stand and sing.